three, four. Me and my friends do sinister things, and that's because we're cynical beings, and we're living in a house, and we're chilling upstairs, and we're doing a podcast impaired. Listeners, how are y'all doing this week? Welcome back to Impaired Upstairs with Brady, Cody, and... Ryan. Yeah, me too. Uh, how was your guys' week? I mean, was it worth writing home about? It was really snowy. Yeah. It was Valentine's Day on mm. Sunday. It was. Um, hopefully you weren't trying to forget that. Um, well, I don't have a comment on that. Um, it was very peaceful uh, in the shop working on chainsaws. That makes sense. Were you able to... Well, you've got a nice big truck, right? So I'm sure with the snow, you're still able to get around all right. Yeah, it was actually great. The um, the, the fresh tires I just had put on it, because the, one, the ones prior to that would not get anywhere in the snow. So I had some uh, fresh 33-inch BFG all-terrains put on. Mm. Uh, Total fresh meats working awesome in the snow. Uh, So it was no problem. Yeah, so I drive a rear-wheel drive sports car that was on... It's on all seasons, but they're very what, low profile. What uh, what, what kind of sports car? Tell is us it? about that sports car. Uh, you it's have, a three seventy Z. What year? Two thousand ten, around a hundred thousand miles. Oh, it's, it's getting broken in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's right at, right in that range where it's like you know the engine's ready, ready to go. Oh yeah. And actually, I have an oil cooler on it too, so like it's not. I'm not like mauling the engine. Um, with terrible oil because, you know, I keep my oil temps down and yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, and the most proud thing about it is that I have work wheels on it, T7Rs, and they're beautiful and they were very expensive and they come from Japan and they're amazing. So they look really good with the car. Um, your that- wheels cost more than my gosh dang whole truck. Really? I don't know. How much did your truck? Well, we don't we don't have to get into numbers. Well, but. I did buy it for my dad, but I had to fix a bunch of stuff. Um, your wheels are probably a little less expensive, a little bit. Okay, yeah, but for, your wheels are very JDM and very nice. Oh yeah, for the wheels and tires, it was around three thousand dollars. Oh my so gosh, it was way too much. It was oh my way gosh. and just too gonna much. appreciate in value. Just only just just well, just just they won't necessarily fall off too well the tires obviously the, i mean yeah yeah that yeah that's yeah probably. but the wheels i don't know they they ha- i think they hold their value decently because they're, they do they're really hard to like actually it took a long time to get them over here um and luckily they had some in the shop in california otherwise it would have taken even longer oh um, so you didn't have to do like currency exchange no, no, no. And I went some JDM stuff. It's like a whole process. Yeah. Luckily, I was able to go through a local shop, and they were able to become a dealer, and it was kind of a whole thing. But it was it was good. All right. So um, awesome. Hey, what about what about your vehicle, Cody? What can you tell us about your vehicle? Uh, yeah. So I drive a um, you know, an old four wheel drive uh, Suzuki XL7. Yeah. Susie. Uh, yep, old Susie. Oh dear. A sticker on the dash that says, oh, deer, with a picture of a deer on it. It's very cute. I like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Quaint. Adorable. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan, for putting it on uh, right onto my dash, uh, a sticker onto my dash. Uh, <laughs> um, but, no, I had no problem getting around in the snow. Um, what I did have a problem with was... Traffic? I, uh, no, but I, I got the uh, the fairings for my bike, custom, Ooh, custom like, aftermarket fairings, yeah. and I tried putting them on, and yeah. it took me, like, well, I could only be out there for an hour at a time 
because otherwise my hands fingers are falling off right yeah so i'd have to come inside which is a big bummer you you should have just driven it over to ryan's shop he's got a huge shop just through the snow oh yeah (laughs) yeah. i'd I'd go like five i'd push my bike over there that'd probably be the safest way to get it you know what is that like 20 miles yeah probably yeah about 20 miles how was the fit and finish on those fairings uh you know fit not great finish is decent also not great they're coming out of a shop in china it's like two dudes just in a you know in a factory type thing or a warehouse uh did making... all the bolt holes line up and everything no but oh. it's okay <laughs> Wait, so uh, how they, did that work? you know you just squeeze them and they kind of fit they as long as they stay on no one's really gonna be like looking at it uh too closely as i'm passing them at 120 on the highway <laughs> well hopefully you're not passing <laughs> in mexico in mexico uh, just kidding on on the uh right. in germany yeah, yeah. On the Autobahn. Right. Well, you guys know about that little, yeah. Filmed in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. I have my uh, some of my old Instagram videos of me like doing a wheelies on the CR250. Uh-huh. They have like the hashtag filmed in Mexico. Yeah. That's uh, very prominent in the motorcycle, especially street bike stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, people who are into um, like stunting, the big ones are like Russia uh, Mexico, South Africa. South Africa is huge on it. Basically, any country where you can get bikes like dirt cheap and just go to empty lots, and the the cops don't care that you're like stunting and I'm doing wheelies and stuff. Yeah, really good countries well, for getting into the sport. Speaking of which, cops not caring about stuff. I I heard that like in L.A. and whatnot uh, during COVID, cops had better stuff to deal with than people being dumb on the roads, and so people were just oh, like yeah. racing the streets of L.A. like down Hollywood Boulevard and whatnot, just uh-huh. like going for it. Outlaws, so, I love I, it. Yeah, yeah. See, that's where we need to go as a society. Just legalize street racing. Yeah, I, well, there's a the, thing where it's like it's like uh, street racing is a victimless crime. It shouldn't be uh, prosecuted against. And it's like, yeah, well, what yeah. if you hit a car full of a family? Right. It's like, well, that's street crashing. I'm against that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. Well, you know, I th- hasn't Japan? Japan is another one of those countries. I think where the cops don't really care that much well, as long as you're not, like, messing with people. They're like, okay, you got... The, I don't know. I think, like, the the car clubs slash gangs have kind of an understanding with the police over there. And I, it's really... The, the Actually, the whole country of Japan has an interesting relationship between the government and the, like, underground side of things. So. Yeah. Well, here in Washington... Uh, in a lot of jurisdictions, they're not even allowed to chase you because it's it's like oh, on a bike, on a, on a in, in a, a car, car as well. Yeah, oh, didn't know that because huh. it's it's a greater risk. I was just talking to a cop over in uh, Seattle, and he he said they're not allowed to chase you. Huh. Interesting. It it hmm. causes like a greater risk because people who are getting chased by cops do a lot of stupid things. Right. They're... And then that puts uh, a liability on them and not as much on the people. Uh, right yeah. Or, yeah so there wasn't there a guy on a motorcycle that um and died a few years ago in this area he was being chased by the cops I yeah think, he, he I was think I remember that. going up uh going up deer park yeah and there's right. like windy it's really windy and mm-hmm. both him and the cop went over the guardrail oh. and died. oh the man. cop died too i i, don't... I thought so but oh really he i don't the remember that motorcycle so. driver definitely he died. definitely died but yeah anyway Go over, go over guardrail, you know, probably hit it at like 70. Yeah, it's not a good situation. Just okay. let him go. 
but it's it's such a rush when those lights flick on. Not that I would know. <laughs> I never do anything like that. Of course. No. Disclaimer, we don't do anything illegal ever. I wouldn't call it a rush. I think it's more of like, ah. And oh, then, no, it's a rush. Well, your heart definitely starts to thump. Yeah. It's not a good situation. It all depends on how you handle it. That's true. Yeah. You, dip, yeah. It's, that's definitely true. I ain't above the law, but I'm quicker than it. okay to be clear we don't condone any illegal activity on Uh, this podcast you know i I do watch a lot of like like um motorcycle rider videos and stuff and people getting pulled over by the cops and stuff it's never worth it to run you know no if they get close enough to get a plate number you're screwed anyway right well on motorcycles that's yeah a lot of a lot of people on bikes, though, they'll ride without plates because a lot of times they're stolen. Uh, oh, yeah, true. Just don't run. <laughs> don't steal bikes. Ride with we your don't plates. Ap- we don't approve of that either. And don't run. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so this weather. How about that weather? Oh, yeah, that weather yeah. we were talking about. So we got hit with um, how much snow did we get? It, In it total? It wasn't it, a lot of snow. But it was, it was kind of spread out, so... It was annoying. Yeah, it, it was, was like, annoying. Oh, snow is always annoying. I well, hate right. the snow. Yeah. Cody's an anti-snow guy. Oh, yeah. I hate the snow. Well, Hate is a strong word. Oh, yeah. I hate the snow. Two years ago, uh, we, my uh, my unit had a field op out in the snow. Do you remember when that like huge blizzard went on two years ago? Yeah, I was in college and it was crazy out there. Yeah, I was doing a, um, like a, a multi-day field op sleeping in a tent in the snow and we had i was put on a a security detail and we'd had have to like walk around um the fob the the forward operating base and like in this blizzard and then we'd have the front post where you're just standing there and that's the worst part is just standing in the cold not walking around are you not allowed to walk around no, you gotta stay there because you're front post. I guess. Like, uh, well, I can't like I, pace. Well, you can. Yeah, you can. You can pace. You can like, you know, move your legs around and stuff. Um, it still then, gets pretty old, I would imagine. Do squats. So it's six hour shifts. Oh man. So you're, uh, when you're on shift, you're an hour on front post, an hour roving, and an hour of. We had like the medical tent, and we'd go in and warm up in there for an hour, and then back on outside for two hours, and then at the end of your shift, you go to um, go to sleep in the big, it's like general population tent, and you take off your boots, right, because they're soaking wet, and you're hoping they dry out a little bit, but no, 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 no. Oh, they just get ice cold. You wake up and you put your feet in ice. Terrible, uh, pleasant. So, yeah. did they have you go in the medical tent just because it was so cold? Is that like the situation, or is it is it standard operating procedure to go to the medical tent? No, it was just because it was so cold. Oh my gosh, that's uh, terrifying. So it was like the it was the only tent that was like warm, right? Gotcha. Um, no, but it ended up uh, they my command ended up canceling the the operation because there is no point in getting injured. During a during a training event, so, yeah, that'd be dumb. So, the uh, yeah, luckily, luckily they uh, they did cancel that before I, anyone got actually. My other question was, what are the shift times like? Like, are, is there is there some poor guy that has the like twelve a.m. to six a.m. Sh- like midnight Coldest to six a.m. shift where it's just yeah. So there actually is a twelve a.m. to six a.m. shift. Yeah, and that's we ended awful. Up, we only. <laughs> 
Yeah. It, I think we had to have been out for only like 18 to 24 hours. I, I can't remember the exact amount of time that oh, we were out okay, there. Oh, okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, it just got – it was so cold, you know. Um, there's this this um, historic battle called the Chosun Reservoir, which was a, a battle of um, North Korea. And there it was – it was like like absolutely freezing uh they had nothing out there either you know they they didn't have the gear that we have today where we can keep warm right and there this would was be, a korea war was 50s wasn't it i think so i think so but anyway so what they would do is um there was this there was this code word for mortars they were called tootsie rolls okay Oh and so they they ordered more Tootsie Rolls because they were out of mortars. And they sent them big pallets of Tootsie Rolls, like, you know, 20,000 Tootsie Rolls. Oh, my gosh. The uh, actual like the candy, candy. The candy. And so what they would do, and this is more of like a, a kind of a legend. Poem. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's said that they would, like, put the Tootsie Rolls in their mouths and chew them up and then uh, use those to stick onto things and repair them because then it would freeze and it'd be like a glue. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but these Tootsie Rolls raised the morale of, of the troops by, you know, hundredfold. That's amazing. Wow. What a cool story. Yeah. Mortars would have been nice too, but. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, sure they eventually got their mortars. <laughs> yeah. This is the best we can do. <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, we, we were comparing it to the Frozen Chosen, but that was, you know, not really. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a way, but, the same playing field. You know, oh man, a day out in the cold was not like the frozen chosen. Yeah, but it, it's still cool to have that sort of like touch to the past. You know. Well, speaking of fighting in cold conditions, that reminds me of one of the age-old adages: never fight the Russians during the winter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that didn't right? work out great yeah, for like um, no matter for anyone no. that's ever tried it. Yeah. it. No, maybe Napoleon tried it. I know that the Nazis tried it. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's ever worked for anyone. no for any, anyone. Yeah, no, ever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we we yeah we got blasted with some some ice and snow and I was going to go over to Redmond to see my girlfriend and that got canceled and it was really sad because it was Valentine's Day. Uh, so ours. shout out to my girlfriend. She's the best. Love you. Yeah. Guys. My. F- fiance couldn't even make it out here and she lives like 20 miles away uh just because it was so cold and she has two-wheel drive car right yeah exactly yeah it was bad we had this whole nice weekend planned but alas so you didn't get to see her on oh well you were working i was working on valentine's that's right yeah yeah by sunday it had started to kind of clear up a little bit so that was nice i guess but uh yeah you know there's really there are very few things that are good about the snow it's like you can make it glues. Uh you can have snowball fights. You yeah. can make um if you, you got can, a big hill you can sled down you it. You can sled. Yep. There's like But that's only if you have a hill. You can do goofy stuff with cars? You can. Yes, you trucks. That's but at the true. end of all of these things, you're just cold and wet. I don't like that. Well, that depends. So I have some really nice hiking pants that are water resistant and a nice big fluffy jacket. So um, I only stayed out. 
I went outside and sledded with my uh, brothers, younger brothers, and my dad. And I was nice and warm by the time I got back. So you just got to have the right equipment, bud. I disagree. Come inside, get some hot chocolate. I disagree. I think because uh, then I come inside and then I go to take off my boots and then I get water all over my socks and it's cold. And It brings back the memories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, So yours is more of like, not to make light of PTSD, but kind of a PTSD. No. I, yeah, PTSD from when I was like five and out in the freezing oh. cold and uh, coming inside and just being cold all the time. I'm not... A heavy dude. I do not have the insulation. That the is natural true. insulation. That is. Neither do we. Well, Cody has less insulation. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, do you know off the top of your head what your body fat percentage is? Probably no, like 6%. you know I. I've wanted to go out and get. Maybe we should get some calipers. Those are kind of expensive, though. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. I got all we kinds could of do calipers. Like, like do no, not those kind of calipers. Not those kinds. Body like, fat calipers. Like taping. We could try taping. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but you could get a decent estimate from like BMI, but I don't think that's uh, really. That's a uh, kind of a bad. Yeah. We could get into that yeah, another yeah, time. Another that's time. a whole issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just not a big. I don't fan. know. Snow's it, pretty fun. The snow slows everything down. That's so, true. I don't like that part. So of it. nothing gets done as quickly yeah. as it does when it's. Not I hate snowing. how people drive when it snows. Dude, people Terrible. lose their minds. Even when if they're it in snows. a totally capable, like a Subaru with all yes, terrain tires, they they're not no going to have, have any problems, people, but they cannot drive. People don't know how to drive in the snow. No, not at all. That should be a part of driver's ed. Like, that should be something that is taught. I don't, I don't know how they would implement well, that. You but, know what? I, yeah. I, I agree with you yeah. that it should be taught in driver's ed, but I also think that, like, how people drive normally makes it very clear that nobody has paid attention in driver's ed. And so it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Especially BMW drivers. Ooh. Hey, if you, ever, if you ever feel like your job is useless, remember there's a guy in a BMW factory putting turn signals in cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got uh, it. Yeah. What else is, is bad about the snow? Um, well, well it, it melts and then you have, like big pools of water, That's mud true. puddles, you do it around. You get you know, some massive flooding out of snow. And then it snows, and then the sun comes out, and you can't look up because it's so bright. And That's you can't true. look down because it's so bright. Yeah, that's it's crazy. They yeah. make sunglasses for that. You have well, to. You yeah. have same to with the heavy winter coat. But you have to have good sunglasses too, because if you don't, then you can get like uh, sunburns on your eyes. Because yeah. oh, true. And then you know, you don't want that to happen. You actually you know get UV blocking sunglasses. Anyway, go ahead, Cody. And then I forget my sunglasses inside the house, uh. and I drive to work, and the sun is out, and it's shining down on the bright white snow and reflecting right into my eyes. Hey, speaking of I sunglasses, dislike. you're colorblind. Yeah. And you, oh, yeah, you are. And you got um, colorblind like glasses that kind of help with that. Yes. Give us your review. Uh, you know they're really cool. They are really cool. I wouldn't want to wear them all the time just because it can be really overwhelming a lot of the time. It's like there's so much color and everything is so vibrant. And I live in a dull world. No, but I always uh, <laughs> forget about that about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Cody. Hey, Cody. Yeah. What color is this? Oh, t- don't ah, even get me started. Oh okay, if you're listening to this podcast right now, please don't ever go through that with uh, a colorblind person. Where Oh, what color is this? What color is that? It is whatever color I have grown up for the past 21 years seeing it. Uh, and I'll probably get it right because it's 
most are certain shades, you know? And a lot of times it's like, well, this is the color that everyone has ever told me uh, that it is. So right, yeah. That's what it is. Um, yeah. So the there's the Ishi, Ishihara colorblind test, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, dots. Yeah, so I, to anyone listening, there's a series of dots, and they're different shades of greens and reds and browns and for colorblind for normal not normal sighted people uh what i don't like non-color deficient people. yeah that's a good and oh yeah you should get into that too color deficient versus colorblind because colorblind is kind of a misnomer anyway yeah um so for non-color deficient people um you can see like a number or a shape or something like that but for color deficient people um depending on which kind of color deficiency they have um they won't be able to see it and i think that these glasses actually did help you oh yeah yeah, yeah. i was able to to uh pass a few of the tests that i wasn't able to pass before i put them on uh which other people might have you know your mileage may vary right, here. yeah uh <laughs> but i was able to to see a little bit better with them um yeah so that like that really shocked me because after reading some of the reviews um. Ju- so these were given to Cody as a gift from our family, and a couple years ago. Yeah, and I was involved in the purchase of them, and I was like, you know, basically, our mom was like, "Hey, Brady, like, what do you think? Do, th- do you think these actually work?" And I was reading, and I was like, "Well, I don't know." And apparently, people had done some actual like scientific tests on them and said, "Well, no, these don't actually work." But then, what I realized is like. If you actually get into the, if you actually, this is a pe- huge pet peeve of mine, by the way. Um, but as a scientist, huge pet peeve of mine. Um, their conclusions didn't really match what their data was saying. So I looked at their data, and their data said, well, they do. For some people, they actually do kind of work. Mm-hmm. And then their conclusion was they don't work. And I was like, well, what? Like, oh, I don't. How can you come to that conclusion? Yeah. You know, like, I don't think that it seems like they had kind of a predetermined conclusion that they were looking for. And then they they wrote the conclusion first and then did the test. And then they were they fit their conclusion to match the test that they ran. And yeah. so uh, that bothered me. But yeah, they worked for me. Yeah. More or less. So, so that's uh, amazing. Yeah. So color blindness and color deficiency, they, you know, they they kind of mean the same thing right now so color blindness is really it it means color deficiency because you can be completely you know only see black and white that's not what i am right um and that that's like extremely rare right like very 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 few people have that yeah i i have a more common uh form of of color deficiency or color blindness um Called a, a protonomaly, I think is what it's Something called, like which that. is red green, red green colorblind. Um, I can't remember and, all of them. And it's usually it's not both red and green. Usually it's one or the other, but they're both encompassed in the same uh, the same mutation that's called like the protonomaly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's the other other one that's like blue and yellow, I think. Uh, but I'm red green. Um, more of reds are really the uh, the big ones for the me. Culprit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, let everybody know that. Um, 
we you are actually visually impaired. Visually impaired. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So we all have impairments of our of our own. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm slightly visually impaired as well. I got to wear glasses. It's uh I used to wear contacts. Uh, never mind. Uh, we're, we don't need to go into this discussion because neither of you guys will be able to relate to this at all. No, so, not at all. Um, yeah. I can relate um, to the colorblind thing because my dad is colorblind. Really? Oh. Very bad. Um, and he's like a build. He builds houses. So um, his his guys that work with him would always like screw with him and be like, "Oh, why did you make that trim purple?" Ah. And he's like, "Ah, you don't ever say that again." Yeah. <laughs> um, but he has the red and green. That's those are his hmm. colors that he that he has trouble with. Yeah, like the, that's the most common form. Uh, and a lot of people think that the uh, colorblind gene resides in the Y chromosome, but it actually resides in the X chromosome. Right. Um, yeah. And people think, Which oh, well, well, women can't be colorblind they because can be. it's in, they think because it's in the Y chromosome, but it's not. It's in the X chromosome, and it's just more common for men because men only have one X chromosome, where women have two. So when one side has the colorblind mutation, the other side will make up for it. Now, in order for a woman to be colorblind, or color deficient, she would have to have the mutation in both X chromosomes. Yeah, which is much less likely. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. And so, but that also means that um, you can never get color blindness. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, wait, no, hold on. Yes, hold on. Wait, no. You can never, if you're a guy, if you're a guy. No, no yes. dead air. <laughs> if you're a guy, you can never get colorblindness from your dad. It's always going to be Correct. passed on from your mom because the dad is always going to give you the Y chromosome because Correct. your mom doesn't have a Y chromosome yes. to pass on to you. Yes. So my maternal uh, grandfather is colorblind. That's where I got it. And uh, also Cole, our little brother, yeah. is also colorblind. Yeah. Wow. So the mom will pass on the color deficient gene on that X chromosome and you'll uh, end up color deficient. It's really fascinating. Um, there's also this, this is like, I'm searching way back in the annals of my memory, but there's this interesting phenomenon in pearl sorters. Okay. So there's like all these different, yeah, I'm going out on a limb here. Yeah, no, it's all right. <laughs> okay. So there's all these different colors of pearls and there's like ratings for these pearls based on like how white they are or how gray they are okay and all there's like super color people that can actually that are better at picking out these colors than other people and they're all women really yeah it's so i don't know look it up that might be just kind of folklore that's not scientifically accurate but it isn't it's like a thing that only women get in employed for this pearl sorting uh, uh, I'm, job. I'm guessing they're not looking to hire uh, colorblind people, so cast away are my, my dreams of becoming a pearl sorter. Yeah. I know you're going to have to reconsider your, your yeah. life goals here. I have heard that there is a some kind of, this might just be like some internet quote-unquote fact anecdote thing, but I heard that there's some kind of marine animal that can see like twice the visual yes. spectrum of colors. Right, mantis shrimp. Yeah, it's kind of a shrimp. Or I heard it was a kind of a type of shrimp. shrimp. They they can see like lots yeah. Like colors that we can't even perceive. It's insane. Well, wow. so also I don't I'm not sure how we would study that though. So the way we perceive color is based on like like we see a certain range of light, right? Like we see the visible range of light. Yes. And there's also that's a form of radiation. 
Um, like electromagnetic electromagnetic waves. waves. Yeah, it's a form of electromagnetic radiation. Um, and so you have you also have ultraviolet rays. There's UVA, UVB, and yep. infrared. Infrared. And so um, we aren't able to see into those wavelengths, but um, other animals are like birds. Bees can see ultraviolet. Bees, yeah, yeah, they can see ultraviolet. And I think that, snakes can see infrared. Certain, certain types of snakes, right? Like, uh, pythons, right? And so yeah. that infrared, um, that's also like kind of that's uh, like heat. Like heat, a lot of heat is radiated that way, and right. so that allows snakes to see animals infrared. They they can see the heat being given off by animals, which is insane. I see, and um, and that helps. So w- the reason bees can see ultraviolet is because um, flowers give off a certain, like a different color oh. in ultraviolet, uh, the ultraviolet range. So yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty uh, wild. Reticulated pythons can see in the infrared, and they are the ultimate hunting machine. Ooh, um, pray tell. Yeah, so essentially they are, you know, multi-hundred-pound um, tanks that crawl about the earth, and they have. Uh, <laughs> first off, they can they can see in the uh, infrared range. So that, so like, you know how predator sees like heat signals right yeah yeah Yeah, that's the python that is the python now also thermal vision also snake tongues they're forked and they like flick them out yeah because they're detecting chemicals in the air so they're tracking down animals through their heat signature and the chemicals that they leave behind uh which is insane to me also they have like a mouth Full of teeth, not just like you know the single, the single uh, or the double ones that are like fangs that right, poison yeah. you and They're stuff. They're actual like teeth, teeth. Yeah, and they go all through the through their mouth. They have, I think, two rows of them. I, that sounds um, right. Yeah, and. They they're like hooks, you know. So they right. so they you they grasp on and then they're embedded. There's no way you're gonna like pull that off. Yeah, it can't go the other way. It'll yeah. And then they wrap around and constrict, and then um, they can unhinge their jaw and Ooh, yeah. s- swallow. They could swallow warthogs whole. It's huge. That's a huge animal. It's a warthog. Wild. Are you kidding me? Uh, and then they don't need to hunt. For days, because they're digesting this, they can digest bone, um, and they're, yeah, that's terrifying that they they can digest bone. I'm, I, I'm they must sure. be I able to. Yeah, right? where else would it go? But yeah, they're not just. Like... Where's a warthog skull gonna go? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's like insane though. Wow. I wonder, do they just have regular stomach acid, or I is it no something? No idea. Uh, but yeah. industrial strength, like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a, a pretty scary animal to me, you know. Reticulated python. Are we start talk- talking about chimps now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, that yeah. other podcast. Yeah, that other famous, very famous podcast. Yeah, uh, only a little bit more famous than us. So monkeys, right? <laughs> they're, uh, pure muscle. <laughs> they're pure muscle. I, I don't know. Tearing shreds. Have you ever seen a shaved monkey? Have you ever seen a monkey <laughs> without hair? They're I mean, ripped. look at those guys. <laughs> I don't think that a chimpanzee would want to fight a python. I couldn't imagine no. them wanting mm. to. Yeah. Well, How I would think, that go? I think that typically uh, animals don't want to 
fight at all unless it's their own species. Yeah. Like, and you know, they, you know, they go for it. Pythons but. are stealthy hunters because they don't make a whole lot of sound when they're when they're slithering, slithering around. Sl- yeah, slithering around. Slithering. They don't. They don't make. <laughs> That snack. They don't make a lot. Uh, snake a snake. <laughs> they don't make a lot of sound. Obscure. Don't so step on me. They'll really. Oh. Don't tread on me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Don't snap on snake. Don't step on snake. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't make a lot of sound, so they can really sneak up on you. Or you know, you'll be walking and you'll sneak up on it, and then. Right. That's yeah, the but story. I feel like if you snuck up on you said wait, were you saying python? Yeah. Particularly python. Yeah, yeah, yeah particularly pythons. Okay, I feel like. If you snuck up on them, the chances that they're actually going to, like... I feel like they're usually doing the stalking, you know? Yeah. Like, if you sneak up on them, you're probably not going to have that bad of a time. Right, as long as you have, like, uh, their their biggest um, downfalls that they can be defeated with a, a pronged stick. Right, yeah. You, you trap the head, and they don't really got much after that. Well, hmm. I've also heard of snake owners that aren't very good snake owners. Um, they put their like like so they f- you pretty much have to feed them live animals, right? Maybe that's not uh, maybe you don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but so anyway, people will feed their snakes live prey and the snake won't be hungry, so it'll just like chill. And then the rat will be attacking it. Oh yeah, that uh, there was that, like um, you know, animal person at the courthouse near here, <laughs> and she had whoa, I heard about she this. had one that uh, she like took it in. So okay, so for just to be clear, she is the extension office agent, and so that's someone that works kind. They, I think they work for the Washington State University, and they do all the <laughs> like, uh, like animal stuff, like for stuff. That that makes a lot more sense than the animal lady at the courthouse. Right, right. <laughs> like, like this is an actual like legitimate job. Yes, it's yes. not just a random <laughs> person that has a snake at the courthouse. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, but she, yeah, she had one, and that had happened. The, the former owners had had done that, to right? This, to this particular, um, what was it like a? I don't ball remember. Python or ball python, yes, snake, some some, some like sort of snake. Yeah, yeah. And so I've heard of snakes actually like dying from that because oh, they yeah. they end up getting infected, or I mean, rats are gross, kind of. Mm-hmm. Don't rat rat owners don't at me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I knew I knew people that owned. Thousands of rats and mice. Uh, that was the uh, raptor center here. Oh, in, oh, in, uh, in oh. Squim. Uh, I had yeah, a weird they, image of someone like in their bedroom. <laughs> yeah, cages same. and cages. I no. think you set us up. Yeah, I did, I did. I did. They had they had cages and cages. They'd breed them because it's like free food for for the raptors. How does one go about? Telling the a male and a female rat apart. How do you do that? Because you, know, you gotta like keep them with separ- a magnifying glass. Keep them separated. No, <laughs> I am not. A, I am not an expert on rats and mice. All I know, I I didn't pay attention a whole lot to the rats and the mice because it smelled like ammonia in that shed, uh, and I didn't. I used to volunteer there for a little while. Right. Um, which let's go into falconry on another podcast because yeah. I can talk. About but oh, speaking yes, of talk about speaking of the forever. offspring, 
you had the opportunity to see them live in concert, right? When the offspring. Oh, yeah. yeah. So down the band, in not the not babies. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Down in Twenty Nine Palms, um, they hold shows. Well, they hold shows on like all military bases for Ooh. for military personnel. Right. Uh, it's usually like a volunteer thing by yeah. the band, just yeah, yeah. for like for the troops, you know. So yeah, it was really cool. Really cool experience. Uh, admission was free. You know, you just show up and they'd you know, make sure you don't have any weapons on you and stuff like that. And um, the offspring played for us. It was like my last week at uh, 29 Palms for, for communication school. And uh, they showed up and they played for us. And it was awesome. It was really, really, really cool. Um, well, yeah. congratulations. I'm I'm jealous. And so the lead singer is Dexter Hall. That sounds he right. Sounds yeah. blonde dude. Exactly the same. Really? Now. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know if he was like actually live singing, uh, but if so, he sounds exactly the same. And he actually has a PhD in a, a bi- biology related field. I think he did his. I think he did his thesis on something related to the AIDS epidemic, um, something something about AIDS. But, um, yeah, so fun fact, he has a Ph.D., so I kind of, I'm like, wow, that's really cool that he yeah. had enough time to get a Ph.D., and he's also one of the most famous uh, yeah, singers wow. of all time. Anyway, yeah. you know, we're slacking, obviously. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like uh, we better make this podcast something. I know, we only have so much time in our lives to do, like, all these different things. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm feeling that. I'm yeah, feeling that. It's kind of rough. It's like it's like it's always ticking. Yeah. yeah. So I th- have we talked about goal setting at all before? Um, I maybe one of the precasts. Yeah. So that kind of brings goal setting up. Like, we could definitely talk about goal setting because. Well, go ahead. Well, I guess like I am a habitual goal setter. I think, and so I don't know. It's just interesting. Like after I got. For a long time, my goal was to get a permanent job at the place I'm at now, right? And so I was like, okay, well, that was like- Well, you my... crushed that one. Yeah, exactly. So I focused, I was like, man, I got to do this. And then once I did that, it was weird because we immediately started this podcast. And then it was like, okay, well, now also I need to build a house. And like, I had all these other goals. And so I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It was just interesting. I think there's like, it's- I have kind of a mentality where I can never be totally satisfied. I'm like, oh, okay, such well, a good way to be. Yeah, I'm uh, like, I, I conquered this one thing, way. and now I'm like, okay, now I got to move on to the next thing. And yep. some of those goals are longer term, and some of those are shorter term. But I yeah, am the same exact way. You have to have uh, goals. You have to have yeah. short term goals. You have to have long term goals. Agree. It, it it doesn't matter really, like how uh, big these goals are. If you're going mm-hmm. through like about of depression i know dr jordan peterson he talked about this oh my if, gosh i if, love him i love yeah he's really phenomenal phenomenal uh smart guy he says um that if you if all you can bring yourself to do is to wake up and get out of bed and make your bed that day then set that goal and do it and then like relish in that accomplishment mm-hmm. and then the next time do something a little bit more make your bed do some laundry. So I think I heard it. I think one thing, I guess the way I heard him say it is like, find the b- 
biggest thing that you can carry. Right, right. And that's, then carry that thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's what I was trying to trying to say. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do whatever the biggest thing is that you can do, and yeah. and do it. Yeah, and so yeah, I kind of feel that it's like maybe I'm not always choosing the biggest thing necessarily right. that I can do, but because you also have to, it has to be something that's that, remotely realistic. Right, right. exactly. That's like attainable. Right, exactly. Like I wouldn't want my goal to be like well, conquer the earth. Yeah, or uh, play in the NBA. Like yeah. that is never going to happen. <laughs> right. Damn. Oh come on! It's gotta be. It's gotta be attainable. You're right. I'm. 23 i'm five foot nine it's a little <laughs> bit too late for me yeah it's a little bit too late for me yeah another another great thing that uh jordan peterson said and it has to do with like making your bed that's like a big thing for him is the like the mentality of making your bed which i don't always do but like yeah um it is what it is got other stuff going on right but um he's like if you you have no right to judge others that are in higher places than you if you can't make if you can't get out of bed and make your own bed um, like in a, in a kind of a figurative statement, um, he's like, if you can't do the basics for yourself, you have no room to judge others that have a lot more responsibility in the world than you. Yeah, and um, that's always that's always stuck with me. He says a lot of really intelligent things. Yeah, yeah. Going back, so we were I think we were talking about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and all those guys. Like, we a lot of people see those guys as like, oh well, they have so much, and why don't they give back more? And it's like they don't even have time. <laughs> like. Like, uh, again, recently, Elon Musk was on JRE, and he was talking, and he said, basically, he works, like, all day. Oh, um, yeah. He works, like, all day. Every and waking then, hour is yeah. what he says. And then Saturday and Sunday, he might give himself a little bit of time off uh, towards the end of the day. But he's still working, like, an eight-hour day on Saturday and Sunday. Yep. Right. Um, oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I get, like, six hours of sleep every night, and that's about all I need, and... Every other time I'm awake, it's uh, working. So, you know, like, and he's also, he's a really interesting person, too, because he, I think he got tired of people, like, ragging on him for his, uh, like, the physical things that he owns. And so he's like, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell all my properties and sell all my cars and basically have, like, basically, he still has more than everybody else. Yeah pretty much um but he's like yeah i'm just gonna like get rid of all my physical things and use my wealth for projects and you know creating a neural link to help people that have brain damage and like you know so he's got he's a really interesting person and i think he's also really um he people aren't black and white usually you know and so there's anytime someone I think a lot of times people have the tendency to paint people in caricatures and um, they pick out their features and then exaggerate all their features and then like make up a straw man almost of that person rather than like actually, actually thinking through, especially with again, social media and Twitter and it becomes really easy, but it is. Uh, well, I, another topic, another time. Yeah, we've talked about that a little bit before, and if we go off on that again, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go off. So, what really impresses me about uh, Elon Musk, and um, I, I was watching an interview that uh, he was conducting with someone, and 
the interviewer was, was asking him like, what do you spend all your, what do you spend all your time on with your, with your company? And he's like, well, most people would, would imagine that I spend a lot of time like promoting things or like, you know, having a presence and talking to people and going to meetings. And he's like, I spend almost all my time engineering. He's like, he's like, that's my background. I'm with the engineering team. Like I know every part of this rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he's very like frontline in his operations because he has the mind for it. Right. Um, yeah. He's really if you've if you've seen how he conducts himself, he's not like exactly a social butterfly. No. He um he's, he's kind of like, socially awkward. Honestly, he's, he's not super great at talking. Yeah. Um and but he's he's very very he's he's like the most driven person that he's like on another level of driven that like oh yeah we can't, it's absurd it's like he's like an he's like a next level of of person almost with right. with how much he's done and his and he's still young. Yeah, I think he's. Well, he's, he's like fi- almost fifty now. But okay, yeah. gotcha. I was gonna say I didn't know if he was, if he was like at least fifty or at least forty or what. But. Yeah, I think he's around forty nine in that range. But like, dang, dang. He's um, he's also, uh, he deals with a lot of, he, this same interview. He got emotional over the fact that he's never gonna. He's like realistically in my lifetime, no matter what happens, I'll probably never be able to go to Mars. He's like, by the time it's colonized, I'll be dead. And he's like, yeah. he's like, that kind of sucks. He's like, that gets to me. Right. And it's like, wow, you're like, <laughs> he's he's like that into his goals. Right. But it's it's awesome that that's his ambition is to like. He's like, well, realistically, the we need something outside of Earth just so that we can have a fallback plan. <laughs> like in case Earth doesn't work out, like it'd be good if we had Earth 2 or 3, just, you know, just for the survival of our species, you know? Because like, like, okay, if an asteroid comes and hits Earth, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going to survive on Earth and it's not going to be people, you right. know? There, there's going to be a lot of bacteria. There's going to be a lot of like weird uh, extremophiles that can survive water bears yeah exactly yeah. and like if you look at all the extinctions at all the extinction events um it's all the big stuff like and mammals that don't live oh yeah like if if multi-celled stuff. R- yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's like the little stuff is gonna survive it's gonna find a way and like things in the water will survive yeah yeah uh octopi will take over the earth Pretty sure they'd be the next up. Aren't for they? It. Um, exactly. They'll. Be is there something special about octopi? Well, they're incredibly Aren't they very intelligent. They're incredibly yeah. intelligent, but they're lacking in the wisdom stat. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, those octopi, you know, they're just not not too sharp. They don't live very long, so they they aren't able to pass information off to their offspring. How do you measure the intelligence of an octopi? Uh, an octopus. Give it a bunch Thank of you. tasks to do, and it just uses its tentacles and like picks up blocks and moves them. And opens jars and closes jars. Really? Oh, yeah. There was an octopus at the Fero Marine Center. Fero, Fero, I don't know how to pronounce it. Sure. Um, And it escaped. It actually, like, got out of its enclosure and... Went into the water. Went into the water. And they have a... I I think they have, like, a video of it escaping its enclosure and, like, just dipping out. Crazy. Uh, And they've also been known to, like... Like octopi, octopi that like their where they're living. Like sometimes people will be like, "Hey, our fish keep going missing. Where are all these fish going?" So they set up cameras and they're oh, like, "Oh, yeah. the octopus got out and it's eating the fish and then crawling back into its yeah. into I, its enclosure." Oh I remember yeah. uh, there was a story of an octopus that was. Um, there was a light that kept shining on him, and so he'd squirt water onto the light and make it go out, 
it would like short <laughs> out the light. Wow. Yeah, isn't that cr- so, they're wild? Octopi are incredibly intelligent beings, and they have the means to use tools, and they use tools. Mm-hmm. They're they're mm-hmm. capable, and they they use tools. Um, they'll use things to open up like clamshells and, and crab shells, right? And stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know there there are smarter animals. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the means to use tools. Right. So, like dolphins and pigs, they're they're really intelligent beings. But you know, how are they gonna how are they gonna take over the earth when they can't put a, a jar of water on their head to survive right. uh, on the uh, on the land? <laughs> uh, they they can't you know piece together blocks to make giant underwater cities, which is exactly what the octopi are gonna do. Um, oh, geez, yeah. you heard it here. Yep. <laughs> Give it another million years. <laughs> They'll be the top of the food chain. No, and actually, I'm pretty sure that uh, the plural for octa, uh, the octopus, is actually octopuses because well, the, it can the be term, either or. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, colloquially, maybe it's it's octopi, and the reason is because the term octopus comes from Greek, where like. Most most things that we say, like we have an I at the end, come from Latin. So uh, oh, give me an yeah. example. Give me give me an a, a alumni. Example. Alumni. So the term uh, alumnus is a Latin term. So the plural form of that would end in the Latin plural, which would be alumni. Where in Greek, uh, it would it octopus would end in octopuses. Just you know, little yeah. etymology for trivia you. there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then so back in. It used to be people used to say octopuses, but then there was like some sort yeah. of like Greek res- Renaissance or Latin Roman Renaissance where a lot of intellectuals were like, "Well, they they have everything the right way," and yeah. so they decide they were like they tried to change everything that ends in us to the I form. It, yeah, even so, like they didn't really care about the history of the word. They were just like, ah, ah. yeah. So. I've been trying to say uh, the correct uh, Greek form of the word octopuses more often and mm. trying to bring yeah. it back. Yeah, bring that back. because yeah. Bring back the octopuses. And platypuses? Yeah, it just makes more sense. Platypus Greek? You know, etymologically. Sure, yeah. Uh, I don't, is that a word? Hippopotamuses? Hedip- yeah. Hi- mm. Hippopotamuses? We gotta, we gotta look into this stuff. Yeah, you know, there's there's some that are gonna be <laughs> Greek and there's some that are gonna be Latin. Right. And English is not a perfect language, anyways. There's a lot of uh, you know strangeness about it. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Octopi. It's not wrong. It's colloquially known as octopi. And I I think it's like either is correct. Like sure. even if you were writing an article and you said anyway. Um. Yeah, you know, I think this would be a good time for the drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink yeah. of the week. This week we got Red Hook Long Hammer IPA. The Long Hammer is uh, the green can. It's light and hoppy. Uh, I haven't. It's it's a. Uh, I thought my phone yeah. was silenced. My bad. Um. No, it's really good. It's um. It's not like super ultra bitter. Um, yeah, it's good. It's uh. But it's still definitely like an IPA. It's not like a a lager. Right, um, but I think it's an IPA. It's it could be if you're used to drinking a light beer. I think it could be a good transition, like absolutely to, to get you kind of like, oh, this is kind of what an IPA is, and like get you kind of acquainted with the taste. Yeah, of it. I, I think it's got kind of like a floral taste to it. Yeah, a bit. that's it's, it's characteristic of an IPA. Very. Um, 
I don't know what's the term like light. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, they're they're really good. So my personal preference is very citrusy IPAs. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people don't really like a lot of citrus. But actually, if we go back to the history of IPAs, I swear I'm not a hipster. Um, oh, okay. I sure. believe, so it's called an India Pale Ale, but it was actually the British that had developed it um, because it was something that they would bring along with them for their journeys to India so they wouldn't get scurvy. And so the, the history is that it's a citrusy beer. Um, so that way they All the could, vitamin C. Exactly. Uh, so that way they could get the vitamin C and uh, not have scurvy while they're traveling the huh. long journey to India. So no, you're being the- pirate, period, <laughs> correct. Not pirate. Yeah. But. yeah, yeah. India Trading Company is that sort of is that what it's called? India. Sure. Some, I anyway. believe that that was the first company that ever accepted um, investors. I believe wow. that was the first like okay. invested company, uh, like way way back when. That's fascinating. They would let huh. people buy in so they can they can actually sail, and then they would come back and they'd get a cut of their uh, cut of their earnings. And if they never came back, then well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of reminds me of the uh, the Merchant of Venice, which oh, yeah, I've heard of that. totally way off topic, but yeah, like like what ha- like what happens to those investors if all those ships sink? They're just kind of out and in trouble. Yeah. Like bummer. Yeah. But that the, might be in the fine print. I don't know how that works. Yeah, but the company then is able to kind of like hedge their bets, and they didn't have to put as much into it. So it's kind of. It's like an interesting way of going about it. I don't know. Another, totally. Another way off topic fact is for uh, for a long time in Stardew Valley, one of my biggest exports was IPAs. Just, right on. Yeah, they just grow quickly. Uh, the hops grow quickly, and then they brew quickly. And then, you know, you can age them if you want, but there's not really like that big of a big of a difference in the aging process for for IPAs in the game Stardew Valley. So, <laughs> you can choose to do so. And speaking of hops, um, Washington, I think, produces something like 90% of the hops. Oh, huge percentage. For yeah. the country. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I know everyone thinks of Washington as the uh, apple. apple center of the world. Yeah, but we have really good soil up here just in general. Well, not in this. Well, Squim does. A lot of areas get kind of too much rain yeah, um, yeah but like once you make it on the other side of the mountains those guys they, they can yeah. grow some good they yeah. grow yeah if you can if you can irrigate grapes. properly the soil over there is, is really yeah. really good for all kinds of things right yeah big agriculture stuff over there yeah mm-hmm. Ugh. cody i really like your shirt oh battery yeah so black is that you put band. in like a tv remote <laughs> battery <laughs> no uh battery from uh what was her name was it countess was I, she a, oh she yeah. a duchess or something, something like, that. like that yeah battery and she she was like kind of an awful person yeah really really terrible people person he killed a lot of people uh oh. but this <laughs> well this, it is black metal <laughs> yeah so this band battery they named their named their um their band after her and they make some really really good metal you know where do they originate from like finland norway norway yeah Nor- norway norwegian black metal. oh gotcha black metal. um yeah because it's a like like scandinavia area has some good black metal yeah right, uh yeah. mayhem 
uh-huh mayhem is well they're like the creators of like true Norwegian black metal, or at least that's what Euronymous always always like to say. Yeah, and so who? What was the first black metal band? What was? Well, what were they there called? was Venom. Venom, right? The, they, I think, they made the song Black Ven- <laughs> black, black Metal, but I think they're considered black like metal. Yeah. I think they're considered like the the first, aside from Euronymous. Um, most people consider them like the first true black metal band. Yeah. yeah. Um. Speaking of bands that are named after terrible things, uh, Children of Bodom. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. Uh, What's that all about? You know, really good kind of like thrash. They got some thrash metal mm-hmm. songs in there. So there was a there. There's a lake in Norway, I think, or Sweden, or somewhere around there, um, called Lake Bodom, and um, there were a series. Well, like there were these kids. They were out there sleeping like on the beach next to the lake and right. they're just hanging out. Um, and then the kid, like there were four kids. Um, I think just two girls, two guys mm-hmm. and three of them got murdered. And the last one was just like covered in blood and dazed and confused. And then the cops came and they were like, what's going on? And he was like totally out of it. Whoa. spooky! Uh, yeah. And it, so I think they determined that he didn't like, it wasn't him that did it yeah um but they never found who the killer was what a and so, great band name though well I for know. a black metal from black metal band uh, yeah. well children bodum isn't isn't black metal oh but, yeah that's right for a metal band yeah and and you know what this it's just like has such a ring to it children of bodum right yeah man and bathory as well like bathory i think that really encompasses what they're <laughs> Uh, what their music is about. Yeah, it's uh, brutal. It's brutal. They, they also, though, and a lot of black metal bands have this, it's like really beautiful, beautiful melodic uh, sounds. Um, like almost almost like Nordic folk music. Right. Um, so their, their song Ring of Gold. Oh, it's, yeah. It's that's just an int- that's such a, really... a beautiful song. It's uh, all acoustic and... They have a lot of like Nordic language in it, like Norwegian language, um, yeah, and just these these images of you know one of the one of the biggest um, one of the like biggest inspirations to Nordic black metal was uh, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. Mm, okay. So um, the the black metal artist Burzum, his I I want to say that it Burzum is. From the language from Tolkien, the like the dark language, oh. and uh, man, you know, Lord of the Rings fans are gonna really beat me up here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, his his name comes from the the dark speech uh, in in Lord of the Rings, and so there's a lot of influences from that. They're really big in like you know the Sauron side of things, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. But <laughs> But yeah, that song. Yeah, the that song "Ring of Gold" has like a lot of that sort of like imagery. Like think like elves and magical forests and dragons and stuff. And and correct me if I wrong if I'm wrong, but I think um, "Ring of Gold" is even a song that's kind of listenable for those that aren't. Oh yeah, people people who don't like metal, they would like the song "Ring of Gold." Uh, And there's a few others. I think "Man of Iron" is one. Uh, I, I can't remember it. 
other names off the top of my head, but they do have songs that aren't like, yeah, raging metal. Right, and they're more melodic and they're less like really, thrash yeah, and like super angry soft, than you super would. like folk music. It's like super folk music. It's not right, metal at right, all. Yeah. But um, it, you know they're they are experts at making that folk music and they are also experts at making the metal music and i think that's like so so um cool how they have that duality to them right yeah they can they can go from you know like you know some some really dark stuff Uh (laughs) to to all of a sudden talking about uh you know these beautiful scenes yeah and, you know, that just speaks to the duality of man. And I think that's a really good... Yes. I, I, I really like that, the concept of the duality of man. Yeah. Um, because I think it's it's some... Again, it brings into that... It plays into that, you know, people are gray. People aren't black and white. People are gray. And there's very... They're very complicated. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it's just amazing. Why you got a peace sign on your helmet, Private? Is this some kind of sick joke? <laughs> Come on, Cody. You know what movie that is? Uh, yeah, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Anytime anyone talks like that, I immediately think Full Metal Jacket. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's just uh... sir. It speaks about the duality of man, sir. <laughs> that's a crazy movie. Such a good movie. Oh my god! Uh, but they, again, they can never brutal. make a movie like that again. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. No, very, very timeless. Is that who? Is that a is Stanley that a, Kubrick? It is a Kubrick. Okay, Stanley I was Kubrick, thinking. Yep. I was thinking it was a Kubrick. Um, he's a wild guy too. Yeah, he's made but, some insanely influential movies. Right. Um, like if you look at a like a top fifty most you know greatest quote unquote greatest movies mm-hmm. of all time, um, you're guaranteed to see a bunch of Kubrick movies. Right. Yeah. Um, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, which I'm sure I've talked about before. Um, that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, um, it's like, if you haven't ever seen it. I haven't. Oh my gosh. It's a, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a very like stylistic, it's a space movie. Right. Um, that, that, but space it's also, Odyssey. It's a, well, yeah, if you, you will, you would think, if you will. <laughs> um, it's a, it's very like an existential movie. Ah, uh, um, okay. It talks, it, it's, it's hard to explain without watching it. Yeah. I'll it's a, it, it. it's like a three hour movie. And when you're done watching it, it's like, wow, that was interesting it's uh it's hard to put into words but it, it's a lot about um like creation um and then everything up till the end oh. like of everything wait creation isn't like like the creation story like like how earth came to be or um uh... it's it's more of like it's like creation of mankind in a way okay yeah um because i guess in the in the scenes where the um uh the the quote-unquote monolith um, scene. If you ever watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Super mm. creepy, weird, awesome movie. But the uh, the monolith scene, um, it, it shows it shows a huge transition in basically where man like mankind began to develop, and then it the rest of the movie is like probably hundreds to th- hundreds of thousands of years in the future where we're like traveling space. Um, so it goes all the way like from the beginning to like the end when like mankind not ends but that's like to be decided by the viewer gotcha okay huh. super trip of a movie you gotta watch it so good and that's kubrick and that's kubrick um and the uh the special effects were like insane i think it was i think that movie was like late 60s really but the the cgi and the i mean it wouldn't be cgi i think it's all very like um what would you call that theatrical pra- practical effects. effects practical yeah. effects 
um, is, I mean, there are movies that came out like 20 years later with similar production values. It didn't have quite the same charm to it. Huh. Well, um, well, yeah, that's something that we've, uh, I've talked about with Cody before is that like, um, I think that when CGI came on the scene, a lot of movies kind of relied on it. Whereas yeah. uh, it's know, a great crutch. <laughs> right. And they shouldn't, they, there's a lot of things that they should have just done with practical effects, but they were like, ah, we'll just CGI it in. And it, the technology wasn't really up to the task. And so they like, like Lord of the Rings, practical effects. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, huge on practical Makeup effects, and, and it looks beautiful. Yes, you know absolutely. it looks beautiful. And then you look at things that came out after Lord of the Rings, and they look worse because they relied too much on computer-generated right. stuff. And it's yeah. like, well, the your technology isn't there yet. But uh, and the viewer can always tell the difference. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really easy to tell the difference. Um, even when they really try to make it convincing, it's like, well, that's not physically possible. Mm-hmm. But when when they do pull something off that looks really really out there but it was done with practical effects like for example a lot of the uh like the star wars the first three like episode four five and six Mm -hmm. where it was very like real it was actual like figurines that they were using um to like model these creatures and there was almost there's very little computer effects and it's just so genuine right yeah and so you can just you can pick it out how genuine it is and it makes it more enjoyable of like a watching experience Mm -hmm. even very old movies um, like Charlie Chaplin era were used that have uh, some effects. There's like a really famous scene of Charlie Chaplin on um, like rollerblades or something and he's rolling around and then he like goes over a balcony and he's like like teetering over the edge of this balcony and he comes back up and he's safe. And so they obviously didn't have him actually like hang over the edge of this balcony. They had a like a filter over the camera and so it looked like he was going over a balcony, but he was really just like perfectly safe. It was, it's like, uh, when you're on zoom, you know, and instead of having yourself there, you put like a cardboard cutout over the camera. So it looks oh, like yeah. you're there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it was, it was kind of like I'm very that. familiar with doing that. I do that all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it was a lot like that. Um, so they just had it like pasted on the camera and then he it made it look like oh my gosh it's so scary he's gonna oh, fall no. Ah! Oh, no, but no legs. back in the 40s everyone's <laughs> like oh my gosh yeah exactly before they even had talkies it was all <laughs> it was all <laughs> silent film yeah yeah i want to go back to um i want to go back to like the um like colony colony ages you know like like hundreds of years ago and i'm gonna bring like like a bag of warheads like you know those candies, yeah, and be like, here, eat all these, and it like it like ruins their. That's like they've like never experienced anything like that before. Is <laughs> right? That, yeah, is that yeah, weird? Yeah. No, I think that's hilarious. I also love like the, not not childish, but like like if you took a bag of war. <laughs> but okay, what I'm saying is, if you took, no, I get you. <laughs> if you took like a cell phone back then, that could like destroy them. They'd be like. Ah, what's happening? Like this is the future. Ah, right. But if you took a bag of warheads, it's like you're not going to destroy their taste buds. Th- well, you will destroy their taste yes. buds, <laughs> but you won't just des- destroy their society. It'll just be like, you know, like whoa, like this is a really crazy cool thing, huh? How did this happen? Hmm. Yeah, it's well, crazy how time travel phys- physically isn't possible no matter what. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, like predicted the 
the cell phone in a way. They were they had like a tablet that had um like the capabilities of you know a Kindle. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So he he kind of predicted it, and a, a lot of technology is derived from like sci-fi films. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek came up with the idea of of like the cell phone. You know, you, mm-hmm. you just pick it up and you talk to someone. Yeah. Well, isn't there a there's like an old commercial or something that has to do with chess and people are like playing chess and they're talking about how like in the future people won't even have to be in the same room to play chess they'll be able to like communicate their moves via a radio signal and it's like oh yeah yeah like we're we can do that and like way past right (laughs) but like yeah it's like crazy the they People say that, you know, oh, well, no one could have predicted this. But, like, you know, people kind of did through sci-fi yeah. and through just just imagination. Some so. of it's not too hard to predict. But right, some, yeah. of, some of the details, I mean, like, there are details that are you would never predict. But um, right, imagining yeah, exactly. back then that you would have, like, you know, you have a back in 30s, 40s, 50s, you have, like, a wired telephone. Mm-hmm. To imagine that one day it would maybe be wireless and that it could also be like a camera. Like that's not too far off of a thing to imagine sure, back then. Sure, yeah. But like when you get into more of like the details of what like a cell phone actually is today. Um, right. A lot of those predictions are, they're interesting that they were made. Any mm-hmm. prediction that comes true is like, yeah. it, it speaks to you in a certain way because humans want to be able to predict what's coming. Yeah. Right. There's no way to really. I mean, with unless you just have really good, really good foresight, but. Um, a lot of it is just kind of, it's like, you know, you could put things together back then if you really thought about it. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that makes sense. That ended up happening. You and know, one day, one of the guys on the street corner of Seattle saying the end is nigh, he's going to be right. Yeah. It, well, and here, yeah. here's the thing is that to predict stuff that's like the the not expected thing um, usually is beneficial for whoever is making that prediction because if you're wrong then like okay you're wrong but if you're right then oh my gosh that's the guy that got it right, right. nobody yes. else could predict right. it you can nobody make, else could can predict and he million, was the guy you can make a million predictions and then when the one comes right that's mm-hmm. that's going to be the big one right. so when octopi when octopuses <laughs> take over the earth <laughs> in a million years you heard it here first Yes, you got it. <laughs> Love it. Beautiful. Um, so I know we had a band of the week. Um, last week we had a band of the week, which was... Neutral Milk Hotel. Neutral Milk Hotel. And th- so this week, I don't know, I kind of, I'm almost, initially we were thinking Violent Femmes, but now that we've talked a lot about Bathory, do we want to bump Violent Femmes to next week or do we want to talk about it now? We also talked about The Offspring. We yeah. also talked about the offspring. I think, I think we might we might have enough bands of the week this week. So, <laughs> yeah. Violent yeah. Femmes, next week, tune yeah. in. We're going to tell you a little bit about them next week. I sure hope I'm around next week. Yeah. Yeah. Me so, too. so wait, we need a showdown for this week. Is it the offspring? What's our official band of the week? Or can we, well, I guess we could just do a tie in both of them. They're tied. Okay, it's a tie. Offspring is a great band. I think we talked a little bit more about Bathory, so Bathory's the band of the week this week. Go check them out. Uh, you know, they have... What songs? Bit of, what, are the, what are the good tracks? You know, let, let me look here. If you're more into uh, the metal portion like of it Like the aggressive here, stuff. Um, and be warned, it's very aggressive. 
Yeah, let's see. Yeah, it's not like it's not like music you want to listen to go to sleep to. It's music that like like you're getting ready to. I'm built different. I go to sleep to battery black (laughs) black leather. Or uh, I'm sorry, um, burning leather. That's really really aggressive. Really really metal. Uh, A fine day to die. Uh, That's actually it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really metal one. Ring of Gold for if you want something softer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man of Iron. Uh, man, I just have I have a lot of songs here. Um, yeah, well, Blood I think... Blood Fire Death. Ooh, that sounds very aggressive. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah, and well, yeah, okay. So Bathory, check them out. Give them yeah. a give them a listen. They're pretty popular. Um, but I'm sure they would love more listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, we... th- these songs came out in like, right, mid '80s. Is that right? Really? Yeah, they're it's an older band. Oh, it's what? Not like a new band. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. mid '80s, huh? Their their first uh their first album, which was self titled Bathory, came out in 1984. Wow. Okay, that's interesting because I figured there was some like 2000s band. Oh no, no. not at all. Not even no. a little bit. Really? Do what? What's the? I'm intrigued. Do they still make music? Actually, uh, you know, it looks. I wish I knew here. Cause I'm gonna look foolish, but it looks like it's there's okay. some some albums that dropped in 2006. But I think those are just like, like uh, Ooh, yeah, one off something. It's not like they're true core. I I think what they did is they like. It's like Bathory's greatest hits. Oh yeah, gotcha. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Capitalizing. Yeah. Of exactly. course. Yeah. Their uh their label still has to make money. So. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where <laughs> are we right. at right now? Well, let's see. Hold a, a minute thirteen. An hour thirteen, you mean? I mean a uh, yeah. An hour thirteen. <laughs> that was a quick episode. I know uh. that that's going by pretty quick. Yeah. Uh do we have anything else we want to talk about? Anything else we want to get to? Uh, Do we have any any short topics we want to get to? So we're not. They don't have to be short. Last week we ran like an hour fifty, so yeah, that was, that was, that was long, great. Long episode. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah let's I loved go, it. Let's go a little. Let's go a little longer. So Ryan, I will, what I was getting at earlier okay. with with your shirt. Yeah, talk to me. I'll talk to you. Yeah. Um, Cody, you're very into you're very into fashion. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind, of, so, kind of a diva. You know, uh, I I've always had this sort of like like intrigue with fashion and not always have i had the the uh means? the means to be able to get into fashion you've always been you've always been well dressed since i've known you it can be a very expensive hobby especially when you start looking into like high fashion and what's like you know in season and stuff like that and everything which i'm not i'm not all that enveloped in it at this moment um but you know, we're talking about spending like three hundred bucks on a jacket. Oh man! Yeah, that's. Uh, but uh, I could buy you a lot of crazy. pairs of pairs of Carhartts and this and is talking about t-shirts. Yeah. yeah, but but honestly, what's what's the going rate for a pair of Carhartts nowadays? Forty dollars. Really? Oh, that's I thought it was more for, forty fifty bucks maybe. That's better than I thought. Yeah. So man. you know, six times the cost. You know. Uh, there's this this Italian brand called Nemen, okay, and it's it's two guys that uh, like have their shop, right? And they have this unique way of 
it's it's like called the the dripping uh dripping method where they get these jackets with these these crazy dual tones to them um and these are like Fourteen hundred dollar jackets. Whoa! Are they handmade? They're hand uh, handmade. Okay. Uh, and they, yeah, they. So they have their own way of making them and everything, and they're really popular in the the tech wear community. Oh yeah. So you're you're you. That's the kind of clothing that you enjoy, yeah, right? I, I really yeah. like the utilitarianism of of the tech wear, but I I also really enjoy the um the aesthetic of it personally gotcha. i'm really into it and you have to admit that some of the tech wear has kind of superfluous utility like it's not i that's kind of an oxymoron oh. but it's y- like you know like you've got like six pockets on one pair right. of pants it's you're so never much, gonna use it's yeah. so much utility right it's so like, much utility yeah <laughs> uh, i i will admit to that but you know, there's like waterproofing. You were talking about what kind of pants are those that that you have that are uh, waterproof? I really don't know because I don't pay that much attention right. to the clothes well, that I wear. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> things that are big in the tech wear community, some big name brands here, uh, the North Face. Really, they're considered tech wear. Oh yeah, they. Wow. Well, really? when you look at like their their higher fashion, I'm pretty sure, uh, and. Someone, someone, let me know. You know, go to impairedupstairs.com. Go to the contact us page. You can write down a summary right there. Let me know if I'm wrong about this. I'm pretty sure North Face does collabs with um, with Stone Island. I think, yeah, yeah, um, and maybe like the Stone Island Shadow Project. So there's another big, big uh. Techwear brands, Stone Island and the Stone Island Sh- Shadow Project, really big on that. Um, Nike ACG is huge in techwear. That's like all climate gear, ACG. So can you take a second to describe what techwear is? Like yeah, what, so, what does it look like? So things that that define techwear are things like like waterproofing is, is really big. Anything that's kind of like waterproof. Uh, it, a lot of it is almost, um, like, like futuristic in nature as far as the aesthetic goes. Um, and it can be kind of whatever you want it to be because there are, it's really a very wide, uh, broad spectrum of clothing. Mm -hmm. If you go on, on Instagram, Instagram would have you think that tech wear is wearing, uh, black clothes, all black clothes, black joggers, face mask, and a jacket, and like hooking chains onto yourself. Uh, and if you go on Reddit, Reddit would have you think that tech wear is all about the utilitarianism. It has to be waterproof. It has to have pockets. It has to have straps. That's hmm. what te- tech wear is to Reddit. So I kind of take my own, you know, my own liberties and in, in my own fits. I like waterproofing, uh, but I also enjoy stylized uh like stylized kind of artwork to wear so i have a a jacket from a small company in indonesia called machine 56 and they're really inexpensive for the amount that they're distributing um but you gotta you gotta jump on them fast because when they when they come out, like I'm a size small, a size small is gonna last. Uh, well, they 
they'll sell like 20 of it at a time mm, of that mm-hmm. particular um, article of clothing in in my size and it'll be gone in a week right and yeah. then and then they aren't gonna bring it back so you have a week to get this you know this one thing and if you really like it you gotta get it and so that's that's also really interesting because like when you think about spending three hundred dollars on that, that's actually not as bad as you would expect. Right for, for like it's basically a limited run. Right, yeah. There you're only get. There's only twenty of these that exist. Of I mean, this right. specific so, one. So to me, this is like artwork, right? And this is yeah. something that I can take with me every day, and you know, say. And when people say, "Hey, hey, what brand is that?" I can say, "Yeah, this is this is Machine Fifty Six or uh, like." few few guys in indonesia that hand make all this stuff and uh it's something it's like the aesthetic of it is very uh almost cyberpunky yeah uh, yeah i had a coworker tell me that i looked like i was about to go fight akira <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway. so yeah yeah um no but but i yeah i like the waterproofing i like the pockets and i actually use a lot of the pockets that i have wow i think the the pants i have have one two three four five six six or seven pockets on them Mm -hmm. and you know i got one for gloves i got one for my knife i got one for my phone i got one for a wallet uh and i'm actually using a bunch of these pockets so i really like it because it's useful to me and the waterproofing is really nice um yeah, and again to go back to the price versus like if you're considering it a piece of art, like people spend a lot more money on that than that on art, you right? Know? And and like and it, like if you were to get a tattoo or something, obviously that's something that's going to be on you for the rest of your life. But you wouldn't blink at spending three hundred dollars on a tattoo. Like, yeah, that's, it, this isn't something that I'm going to be hanging on my wall either. This is something that's going to keep me warm in the winter right, or yeah. keep me cool in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like a conversational kind of piece, you know. Yeah, like you can yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, wow, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. What I, What do you wear, Brady? Uh, so I wear you have the nice, nice breast pocket Carhartt shirt right now. Uh huh. I wear what other people pick out for me, basically. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, I do have like a a kind of style that I go for, like mostly darker colors, like browns. No, not browns. Oh, why did I say that? Oh lord, um, blacks. No, no. Earthy, earthy yeah, earthy tones. Blues, dark blues, grays, dark earthy reds. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, I have a a few pairs of black pants. I tend to stick towards like black pants, and I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I wore blue jeans like most of my life, and now eventually I'm like, well, they're just not quite classy enough, you know. So black like, is just such a good color to wear. Well, right, you know, black it it goes with everything, and it people won't look at you weird if you're wearing black. Yeah, a, a especially during the winter, and it's winter here, like you know, nine months out of the year. So a big thing in fashion is like silhouetting. So you're trying to get this this cool silhouette kind of thing so that's why huh. black is really popular in, in well that's one of the many reasons why black is so popular in fashion because you can get these these silhouettes and not have to worry about uh the color of it as well and trying to 
match colors. So can you can you go in a little bit more on like the silhouetting? Like what uh, what is that really in practice? What does that look like? Yeah. So so silhouetting can be something like like the way that your jacket drapes uh, or like falls, you know, and then how that looks if you were to uh, put like a light behind you, how that silhouette would look. And it's, it's, um, a lot of times it can be like iconic, you know, something that is, um, yeah, you can, you can visualize it and see, uh, you know, looking cool is, is subjective. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you think, yeah, that looks, that looks good. So that it's all, cool. it's almost based, it's like based more on the shape of the clothing. Right. Rather right. than like the colors necessarily or the yeah yeah in uh in tech wear it's a lot of straps straps are huge in the silhouette in like uh kind of avant-garde fashion it's really flowy almost uh a lot of capes you'll Mm. see a lot of capes because that creates this big billowing silhouette uh yeah and how do how hmm, this is might be a weird question. I don't know. It's kind of coming out of left field, but uh, like uh, like geometric shapes. Did did those ever play like like I don't. It's you said avant garde, and when I think of avant garde, I imagine like a person wearing a triangle. You know, like oh, so, well, <laughs> very extreme. Right yeah, now. like something like really bizarre. You know, or like you, clothing if, if, that can like change shapes or. So you know. if you're looking at like runway fashion. And those, right, okay. those crazy, you know, absolutely wild s- suits that these people wear. It, I saw one where it's like a balloon that deflates and right, yeah, turns yeah, into yeah. a dress. Uh, those are just just like artistic pieces that that the uh, designer will make, kind of to liven up the show a little bit uh. and, and make it more interesting because it's going to be a very very boring show if you have, you know a hundred outfits that come through mm-hmm. and then they go back and they get changed. And then, uh, you know, they take off a jacket and put on another jacket and then they walk back through and stuff. Just very, very boring. So they'll liven it up with those, with those crazy, uh, outfits and stuff. So is, have you ever watched like a full catwalk runway show or, uh, a lot of highlights, but gotcha. with like lookbooks and everything that we have nowadays where I can just see, uh, what is the, um, you know the, the all the pieces of this. I can just scroll through instead and see what what are the pieces in this in this season. Um, okay, and so a lookbook is basically just what you described. It's, it's just pretty much it's it's like a digital catwalk. Um, okay, gotcha. They'll they'll show you all the pieces. Uh, a lot of times the designers will have multiple pieces that go together, or they'll have a bunch of pieces that don't go together that the the um you know the model will be wearing or they'll they'll have the model wear and so that's another thing that you'll see is is models wearing clothes that don't look great together or that look that huh. look so avant-garde together uh and a a big part of that is you're not gonna buy that whole um you know ensemble to wear as an outfit all on its own you're gonna mm-hmm. buy a piece of that outfit and then pair that with something that'll pair with it. 
Gotcha. Yeah, it seems like in traditional fashion, they tend to have their models wear stuff that does match together a little bit more. So is that kind of something that's that is found a little bit more in the uh, like high fashion or like people that are very involved in the fashion community because they like understand that oh you know because to to from an outsider perspective if they saw someone wearing uh i don't know a bizarre outfit that just like like big boots and then a frilly dress you know they'd be like uh they would think of it as well now they both just look ugly because they don't (laughs) go together so is that that's something that's kind of like well known in the fashion community that like well things you know you gotta pair it with the right thing yeah i think so um yeah i think there's just so much freedom of expression within fashion uh and like within that whole entire industry where it's it's uh so artistic and and very like left-brained you know uh that it's there can be a lot of different interpretations for a lot of different things so uh, so, so it's like any art form really right yeah. exactly gotcha wow Thanks for sharing that. Well I, put. I had no idea. There's there's so much about fashion that I'm like totally, obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, not. I'm with you on that one, bud. Yeah. Um. So Ryan, Ryan, you, what do you wear? Um. I pretty much wear the, pretty much wear the same thing every time you guys see me. Ryan, <laughs> Cody, what can you describe? You're, you're Ryan because you're the aficionado. Ryan can get dressed in uh the morning in a completely pitch black room, and just grab a shirt and pants out of his drawers and then look good in whatever he puts on. Wow. Cody, I appreciate that. Well, uh, I don't know, like the the same pair of car hurts for a week straight. I mean, does that count as looking good? Well, you feel so comfortable in them. Uh, I'm not afraid to like kneel down under a truck with them. And like, (laughs) that's kind of the nice thing about it is that, um, like stuff that's not super expensive is like really utilitarian because you don't matter. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely I'm kind of a sucker for like the uh, I like the graphic hoodies. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like a really I have a lot of like tons and tons and tons of graphic t-shirts. I probably have like 50 t-shirts. I don't know that maybe that's like a like a small collection for for you guys. I don't know. Uh, no, I have like six. Yeah, I am a. I really like the obscure band t-shirts that I buy like bootlegged off of <laughs> Redbubble or whatever right. that website is. Um, that are definitely not licensed by the band because, um, <laughs> yeah, right. It, I like if I, sometimes I'm like out and I'll be like out and about somewhere, maybe like a lot of times if I'm going to like the city for any reason, the city being like anywhere you take a ferry to go pretty much around here. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I have a, uh, a modest mouse, lonesome crowded West shirt on. Yeah. Um, if someone points that out, I'm going to be there. I'm like going to become their friend on the spot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which usually doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I definitely like the, I like the band t-shirts that like, not just like any like album cover t-shirt, but like some obscure stuff that not everyone gets. And I like the, um, oh, I'm into, I'm big into like the, this is really cliche, but like the Northwest vibes, uh, like this, sure. this, this hoodie that I wore today. Um, yeah. What's, what's that one? It's pretty sick. Oh yeah. Look it, at that. It, it, it literally says the Northwest and it's got like a Washington and it, but it's like a cross cut of a tree. Yeah, like oh, like it's, yeah. it's got a bunch of trees in it in in the Washington. And then it also has tree rings. Yeah, it's got the growth rings in the, yeah. In the center. Yeah. So that's I, I kind of vibe on that. Um, I also man, that's like the second 
hoodie that I have that has a picture of Washington on it. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, I might have a problem. But well, um, you've only got two. I think I think you're good. I think yeah, that's a start at least. But no, that's that's what I'm into. And like the uh, I don't know, black car hearts have always been like, they don't ever look bad really. Oh, they and they black they, it looks good. They wear in pretty nicely, and you know they. I mean, I have pairs that I've had for like a super long time, and like I'll have like <laughs> I don't have much for dress clothes. I'll have like my nicer pair of car hearts that I might like wear out in a public. I probably should get actual dress clothes. <laughs> well. Yeah, you'll I, be uh, you'll be getting some dress clothes hopefully in a couple of months. Yes, I hope that I am present. Yeah, in a couple of months, we'll see how that goes. I would love to be. Yeah, so I have my my two best men here. Aww, yes. for, uh, oh my gosh, my wedding coming up. It's very exciting. It is very yeah. exciting. I'm so yeah. proud of you. Congrats <laughs> again. Thanks, gents. Um. So sorry not to uh, go back to the fashion thing, no, but continue. Um, it seems like you, in a way, you guys kind of use your clothing to tell other people about like the community that you belong to. Is that a, is that a fair way of putting it? Like you use it to, you're using your clothing to, um, describe you, in a way. Yes. Yeah. It's it's to me it's totally a uh you know self expression and i uh, gotcha. i want to i want to portray the things that i like to other people well gotcha. you you don't dress like anyone else i know cody <laughs> oh yeah you like you do not fit into any i mean i'm so like blind to anything related to like fashion um i have no sense of it um or i don't know i like cool looking hoodies but um like what you what you wear with like the whole the tech wear stuff when you're explaining that to me i'm just like hmm, that i'm like that makes sense and i i can see how it like looks good but it was just it would just be something that i would never think of like yeah and you know there's it's like um really hard to sort of to sort of get into it especially around here where people don't wear that no like, i was just gonna say there's, right a, there's here. a stereotypical pa early 20s guy outfit yeah it, kind it's, of it's kind of hard to to uh wear it with confidence but you know well and, so and that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking because i would never i would feel so embarrassed almost to wear that because like if, <laughs> if, if not no, no not make, because no, i understand it's just because it's something that draws attention to yourself right and it's something that's like outside of the norm no and one so, else wears around here right no yeah. one and, and that's well maybe a few people but Hold on. That's kind of something that, in a way, we have to deal with with this podcast is because we're, like, putting ourselves out there. Um, and yeah. so, like, like it, in a way, you're putting, like, who you are out there. And I think that for people in this area, um, that's kind of weird because people kind of stick to themselves and they're like, well, don't rock the boat. You know, that seems to be kind of a, a vibe. Very true. Um, yeah. And so, so, yeah, but, like, your fashion, you're, like, you're – your clothes are a statement, you know? So, yeah, I, I went through this period where it was really hard to wear uh, the clothes that I that I liked and that I wanted to wear because it's, I, I think that it looks really cool and it's comfortable. And you just got to... People give you crap for it. just got to do it. And I've been heckled for it. But I Really? I, have you? Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the co-worker that said that I looked like I was about to go fight Akira, he wasn't uh. saying that out of the benevolence of his heart. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I said, you know what? That's awesome because I right. love that movie and that's exactly what I'm going yeah. for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, no, but th- you just have to do it. 
and not really care about what other people are going to think about it. And yeah. I, it's not like I'm going to wear this to a job interview. Right, oh, yeah. I'm wearing it when I'm out and about minding my own business mm-hmm. uh, or on my way to work. To I wear a uniform at work, so it doesn't matter what I wear to and fro. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I went to um, Silverdale at the, the Kitsap oh, Mall yeah. where mm-hmm. it's it's a lot uh, different oh, yeah. culture. Yes, <laughs> yeah, there. definitely. And I was, well, you're talking about Kitsap. You know, yeah, 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 County. yeah, like that. That includes uh, Bremerton and right, uh, and so that's and more like city suburb kind of area. Yeah, yeah and I uh, was walking through the mall and I got a compliment on what I was wearing. Yeah, right. Very different from around here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, comfort, comfort is a big thing. Totally, fashion, especially in tech wear. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, right. Those pants are like. They're basically like sweatpants in a lot of ways. They are, but um, they they seem super like comfy. Like you could wear them around. They you they could have, wear them to sleep almost. They have something called a drop crotch, which is where the oh. the um like crotch of the pants is seemed way low, mm-hmm. and it makes it really baggy, and it's super breathable. And you know, you would think that there is a loss of mobility. The only thing that I can't do in those pants um, that I also can't do without them is the splits. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, you can run in them. You can go upstairs. There, There is no uh, loss of mobility in them. Yeah. It, but, I think it reminds me of... Like, didn't Justin Bieber, I don't know, he has, like, a pair of pants, that, and I don't follow Justin Bieber, but I just remember seeing a picture of him in pants that are, they're not like that at all, because they're 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 kind of dumb looking compared to what you're wearing. Gotcha. But, like, yeah, like, a really, really deep crotch where they're almost, like, down to his knees or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, I was talking about, like, like, some of the names. Gorilla Group is one, and they have ones that are really low mm. like below the knee Whoa. <laughs> Drop so, um, you know it creates that kind of silhouette but it, it's I, almost like a, a much yeah it's almost like a genie or something i don't yeah. know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. It paints uh, a great picture yeah, <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah. wish is my command but yeah that, that might be a little bit too much uh, Gorilla Group, Riot Division. Uh, I have so Riot Division is based in Ukraine. I have some gloves from them. Um, yeah. yeah, right on. Good stuff. That's uh, cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're just about uh, ready to wrap it up. For I think so. Yeah, excellent episode, gentlemen. Yeah. Um. Thanks for thanks for joining us, everybody out there that's listening. Um. We will be back here, impaired upstairs next week. Um. Again, feel free to reach out reach out to us on info at impairedupstairs dot com, and um. We also, you can also contact us through the contact us page on impairedupstairs.com. Um, yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on uh, what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about it. If you want to reach out and maybe be a guest, uh, uh, last week we had Griffin and he, that, that was great. Oh, Stellar yeah. guest. Go, go yeah. listen to, if you haven't already, go listen to podcast number three. 
uh, episode three. It was great. Uh, uh, Griffin was really, really great to have on here. Yes, and he if you want to be a guest, you know, like he said, hit us up info at impairedupstairs.com or go to our contact page on impairedupstairs.com. We would love some more some more interesting guests. Yeah, so. yeah, that would be great. And, you know, like if you have something to plug, then it's also potentially a good opportunity for you, especially while we're small. And um, also also yes. to clarify, not more interesting guests who are more interesting than Griffin, <laughs> right. but more guests no, I, I meant more who interesting are also than Griffin. interesting. Griffin didn't <laughs> have a whole lot to say. <laughs> no. If you're listening to this. No, uh, yeah, also... Uh, we are looking to get onto Spotify in the next few weeks. Uh, we're working with a graphic designer right now to get an icon and, or a logo, logo for yeah. for yep. our uh, for our page. So we we want to do that to get some establishment uh, mm-hmm. with ourselves bef- mm-hmm. before we get onto Spotify. So yep. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we should be on those within the next month or so. Hopefully, yep. fingers crossed. Um, yeah, Things are moving quick. Yeah, yeah, there things are moving quick. It's, it's a beautiful it, journey. It's crazy. I am really enjoying um talking to you guys every week and it's just it's fantastic. Yes, it hasn't it hasn't even it hasn't gotten old yet. No, <laughs> not yet. Today was the first day though that I like almost it, it's become like kind of habit where I almost like I was like, "Oh yeah, we're recording today." Like, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. on. Yes. No, yeah. I, totally. And it's like for me it's always it's always good to like get away from what I'm doing even though I do enjoy what I do, but it's mm-hmm. always it's something to always to look forward to. And it's never like, "Oh, I got to record today." It's always like, "Sweet, like get to like I'm going to go be, go do this and I'm going to have yeah. a good time." Mm-hmm. And it's always a good time. That's a great part. Yeah. Um so hopefully you guys are uh, still listening in, and uh, we appreciate everybody's uh, listenership. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when we're not working, we'll be here upstairs. Impaired! Impaired.